What up? Welcome to a podcast with Mo. I am Mo. <clears throat> this is episode 384. On this episode, I'm joined by The Blunt Doctor. Talk about the Patreon, merch shop, COVID, bunch of NBA talk for like an hour. Uh, talk about the Suns, MJ, KD, the Thunder, Miles Bridges, some other stuff. Talk about fighting, getting arrested, rapping, a bunch of other shit. Thanks for checking us out. What up? First thing I'm getting to is our Patreon. Patreon.com slash a podcast with Mo. Go there. You give a dollar more a month. You get early access to this podcast. You get an email. It takes you to the fucking site. Sends it to a SoundCloud link. It's private. So don't you be sharing that shit. But it's all yours if you give a dollar more a month. Uh, you can give enough and be a co-producer. We have a few of those. That would be like my mother. Uh, it's your boy H2.com. Graveyard Entertainment and Forgotten One. Uh, keeping us afloat in the summer, out in the pool, if you will, uh, pool of a little money to host this podcast. Now, someday I think I'm moving it over to Anchor. Um, whenever we retire this podcast and it's over so it can live on forever and without me having to pay. But that's going to be a whole fucking thing of migrating. So I haven't even thought about it, but I think that is the plan. So I should probably look into it soon. All right, so we have a merch shop, shop.spreadshirt.com slash podcastamo. You can go there and get you a cool t-shirt. It's fucking, I mean, you'd be the bell of the ball, you know. People all look at you and be like, it's a, it's a sharp gal, a sharp guy, whatever you are. Or maybe they won't profile you at all based on your gender, because why should we, you know? Wh- whose business is it of ours to know about your genitalia? That's what I say now. Um, anyway, this episode, we're calling, uh, the homie real blunt doctor, maybe just blunt doctor. And I just read real blunt doctor. Cause that's his discord name, but the blunt doctor, um, he was on a couple months ago back when the NBA playoffs were happening. Uh, he's a big basketball and football guy, uh, does a lot of sports stuff, has his own podcast, the blunt doctor show. I think it is. I mean, it's blunt doctor podcast. I will ask him and, uh, you know, I'm subscribed to it, so I should know, but uh, it's uh, it's pretty good shit if you're in this the whole sport thing. So we're gonna talk to him about sports. Um, I know we briefly brought got a little into politics last time, but in a cool way. You know, I don't think we were uh, assholes too much. And uh, you know, anyway, I, I really liked him last time he was on. So I was like, we gotta have him back on now that his Phoenix Suns uh, ended the playoffs the way they did, and uh, we've had some drafts and free agency, not a basketball stuff. So I wanted a basketball person. So anyway, um, we'll we'll give him a call and uh, see what he's got to say. Yo, yo, what's up, man? Not too much. I'm uh, surviving, but feeling like I'm dying. Yeah. So, you know, that good shit going on, but I'm alive. So, oh, yeah. Anything like major going on with you? Um, I think it's COVID, but I'm vax, so it shouldn't be too big of a deal. But uh, I came into contact with someone who had COVID, unfortunately. Not a big deal. No one trying to do anything. Just a mistake. But right. Should be fine. Just yeah. feeling a little bit like like I'm 20% of myself right now. Like I have fewer witty retorts and snappy comebacks. You know, my brain's kind of like in a fog. So, yeah, I understand. I, uh, I, when, once I was double vax, you know, before the triple thing or whatever, uh, I had gotten it because I work at a school and it was just going around. 
And uh, my wife got it and I got it at the same time. And she lost her taste and that was it. But I was like serious flu for like 24 hours, you know, which I know is like way better than some people. But it was like, holy shit. And then uh, I think it's just because I didn't have any vitamins in my body. I think that's why it hit me so hard. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I've been trying to take everything. I've been trying to sleep constantly, but it's also with you know the seven month old. I gotta be doing my you know best to be around. Although I'll tell you what, my fiance is a fucking superhero in terms of taking care of the kid because she does like she's sick too, and she's somehow doing more than me. I normally don't get this sick. Like I have a strong immune system, and I normally handle this shit pretty well. But um, she's a superhero. Good for her. So, right. right. Yeah. I mean. Someone's got to do it, you know? So Yeah, exactly. Because I can't. So the first thing I have to bring up, of course, is because last time you were on, we were in the middle of the playoffs. And yeah, I'm not yeah. trying to hate. I'm not trying to do this as a no, hater no, no. at all. The Phoenix no, no. Suns, I watched that game, the, their last game of the season. Um, I happened to have it on. And I was like, all right, let's watch this shit. And it was yep. the most anticlimactic yep. game seven of all time. Uh, you know, and uh, it is what it is. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure you're very bummed about it. Well, I'm going to give you another one, actually. So in addition to that, when I came on here before, I said to you, I thought that the Thunder made a really weird pivot point when they traded Chris Paul and kind of went back in the tank and everything. And with that game and with, you know, how the Suns faded out and now with the Thunder getting Chet Holmgren, um, I think I think, you know, your your argument that it was the right time to make the pivot point was proven correct because the Thunder now set up pretty well. And, you know, the Suns, I'm not, I mean, the Suns are going to be contenders again this year. I'm not trying to tear down what the Suns are doing, but in terms of how that went, yeah, it was a disaster. Now, I will say this. I, I don't care what the NBA says. I do believe that that team was sick. I mean, watching it, that is one of the most pathetic performances of all time. Yeah. And so, so for people that don't know, in case you happen to be listening to this, uh, they got beat by like 40 points or something. Like it was like a crazy yeah. blowout and it wasn't like they just got be in the fourth it was like early on the game was it was over. over it was over i knew it was over halfway through the first quarter it was the, the suns were not there they didn't even show up to the goddamn game and i was worried after game six and uh, but i i had confidence obviously in my team but i i just i the, i i went on my show afterwards and i ripped them because the thing is is i have gone i've been on your show i was on truth be told i've been on my show a million times and i defended them to the death and i said they're gonna win the championship they're gonna this that and the other so i'm not gonna sit here and like give them a pass when they put up the worst performance in the playoffs of all time that was an embarrassment to the team to the city and that has now necessitated like essentially blowing up the team and I mean, that was horrible. Like I, I, it's an embarrassment. I, I, the only thing I can think is that I've been so blessed being a Tom Brady stand and I've got all these Super Bowls that like, it's like reverse residual luck. The universe is like, no, 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 you can't have NBA championships too. We're not letting you have that. Right. Well, honestly, I, I know this is like blasphemy to a lot of people. I, as someone who lived through having Kevin Durant and we went to the finals once the Thunder fan and when just, we were always in it, right? Like every year we were a contender it was great. I don't care that we didn't win a championship. Like it would have been cool, of course. But I do think like just the uh, getting to be there was awesome. Like every year in the playoffs, you were like, it's our year and you get all amped up. And I don't know. That was like was part of it for me. So I just I'm not one of these uh, championship or bust people. Like I'm sure as a uh, Suns fan, you fucking love this year until that game, you know, Com completely agreed with you. And I'll tell you, a friend of mine won tickets to game two 
um, through NBA Top Shot. I don't know if you're familiar yeah. with the whole. Yeah. And uh, so we went to game two and that was fucking amazing. And that was, you know, the Suns won by 30. Uh, Chris Paul embarrassed Luca over and over. It was an amazing game. And I don't give a shit how the rest of the series went. That night was amazing for me. And I agree with you that I do think I do think Kobe Bryant really has affected this era of fans with his whole rings or bust mentality, because really this era is. How many rings do you have? Oh, you've got none. I don't give a shit. And that's a, a ridiculous way to look at the game, especially any team sport. Right. But, well, I would, you know, I wouldn't even goes. blame Kobe. Like I, I enjoy Kobe. And, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I loved him. In hindsight, I get how inefficient he is and all that. But I think it is Jordan and not, and not Jordan. Like he didn't do it, but like the news, you know, the media around sports, it became sure. a, a ring culture thing. And then sure. I had this argument all the time. Like when everyone's like, well, now LeBron's number one, I'm okay with that. If Kareem was your number one, because that means your like goat argument was like off this longevity thing. But if you're like Michael Jordan was my number one and now LeBron's passed him off longevity, that doesn't make sense to me. You know, like I just think it's weird when people's like arguments change, depending on like what player they like, I don't know. And I didn't even love Jordan as a kid because I could never like the fate. I'm never like a, a front runner or right? I have to like the underdog and all that shit. So I hated Jordan as a kid. But now that the last dance came out and like I have all this hindsight, I'm like, dude, this dude was different in my opinion, you know, like with yeah. my like outside looking at it. Well, what I will say about the Kobe thing is that I do think that most of here's the thing. Today's kids didn't watch Jordan. Yeah, they I get watched, what you're saying. They like, watched Kobe. And so I think that the whole rings culture among the 20 somethings right now, I do think that's a, a Kobe thing. Well, it's a now, Kobe think, and Shaq thing. Cause I'm sure you remember, I, this was my favorite thing when I was a kid. It was like, they each had three. And then when Shaq got four, he would like hoard that over Kobe. And then when Shaq and then Kobe got five, it's like, Oh, I got five, you know? So it was like this. For sure. Uh, but, thing. but Kobe made sure that he was very on the side of rings only. And that any season that didn't result in a ring, was a failure and he would say that over and over to the media to everyone so everyone knew how he felt about that very uh directly and i know right. what you mean about jordan too in terms of how he affected everything because truthfully i actually came up i grew up in phoenix but in phoenix we had wgn which was the local yeah. chicago i actually Bulls had a network we had wgn in oklahoma right and so and so for whatever reason, I became obsessed with Michael Jordan when I was about five years old before they had actually started winning championships. I just started. I don't know why I became obsessed with him over the Suns. I guess I don't know. The Suns were good at that time, but not quite championship caliber, whatever, I, whatever it was. So I watched him go through that rise and watch so many people, like you said, who were like, oh, I I'm not going to be a front runner. I'm not going to root for Michael Jordan. And I, I just, it's just very interesting because, like you said, Michael Jordan's argument was never longevity. It was the peaks. Yeah. And there's so much about how you look at different people, career and everything. I think that's the best part of basketball, though, is that the game has changed so differently in every era that there is no correct answer. Right. Everyone gets to have their own opinion about what is the best basketball, who is the best player, what is the best era, blah, 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 because it's morphed and changed so much. I've always said that basketball should be called the beautiful game, not soccer. And I fucking stand by that shit. Yeah. I think you said last time too. And I completely agree. And I think if you really have to have the go debate, you know, if you put it all into a computer that could do it, it's, you know, like who was so many standard deviations better than their peers of the time. Right, you know, right. you have to do like some shit like that. And that's so impossible. Right. And then also that's like where the rings gets affected. Where like, maybe LeBron's three rings are more impressive because the league is a fucking loaded, you know, like I, you know, so make it's hard to know that, but then because the league's loaded, that makes LeBron not seem as like 
far and beyond better than the other. You know, so I don't know. It's all these pros and cons to it, but it is interesting and it makes for great, uh, you know, radio talk show podcast talk. And I, you know, it also makes for really fun 2K sessions when oh, you yeah. drink like a 12 pack and you'd be like, all right, motherfuckers, I'm taking the 99 Lakers and the 96 Bulls and let's see what happens. Oh, dude, I love doing the franchise mode and you just do all time greats like yep. someone will make that. And then you're like, I don't I never take Jordan one if I had the first pick in the fantasy draft. And honestly, I do like 15 in the fantasy draft. Yeah, I have to be in the middle because I'm like, no, I need a tall guy because it's 2K. You know, it's uh, different rules. Um you mentioned something earlier about the Thunder, so I kind of want to bring that up as well. Well, first off, I guess before I even get to that, do you think the Suns are going to get Kevin Durant? Yes. Um, we all know that Kevin Durant wants to be in Phoenix. I don't think that's bullshit at all. And all this stuff about, oh, the Nets don't have to listen to him, blah, blah, blah. We all know that teams want to do right by superstars to make future superstars consider them. I just think this is all haggling right now, and I, I think one way or another, uh, Kevin Durant ends up on the Suns next season, and I'm just hoping that they can do that without gutting the entire fucking team. I know it's going to be a massive trade package, but you you know you have to feel the team still. I right. don't think it's a good idea to trade every single asset they fucking have for Kevin Durant because Chris Paul's 37, Durant's going to be 34, like. You've got to keep at least one of those assets. But I do think KD will be a son next season. Whether or not it's a trade I like is a different answer. Right. Yeah, there's there's a part of me um, that thinks like Kyrie and KD are doing this NWO thing. Right. Like they're just uh, there's Steve Nash and Scott Hall and they're like acting like they're causing all this corrupt, you know, chaos. But really, they're just going to stay with Brooklyn the whole time. Like there's a par- part of me that does think like they're fucking with everyone because that free agency just stopped once KD said he was going to, he wanted to be traded. And I feel like, story. I kind of feel like they're fucking with everyone, but then again, maybe he does really want out and he's done or whatever, but it just wouldn't surprise me if that happened, you know? Um, I, I mean, everyone loves to point to when Kobe went on LA radio and demanded a trade and that did happen. So it absolutely can come back full circle with them being back on the nets. That wouldn't be, I wouldn't be like blown away if that yeah. happened. But if you ask me right now, where does KD play next season? I say the, the, the Suns. Right. Well, and then with the gold bear trade, I do think fucked everything up. I'm sure that's on like every fucking NBA podcast. But when they got so much for gold bear, who like half the people think isn't worth it. You're like, yeah, uh, well, what does KD get? And then for the, it's like the Nets, everything has to look like a bad deal when you compare yeah. it to that. I, I, and I agree with that. But the one thing I would say is that like, it, it was a lot of picks and that's for sure. But the players that Minnesota sent are like Pat Bad. They are and, yeah. yeah, they're role players at best. Cam Johnson, Mikhail Bridges, and DeAndre Ayton are uh, in the, all three of them are more valuable than all of the players. That's how I feel. I don't think any of I think all three of those players have less value than any of the players that the Suns could individually provide, especially going forward, especially on the contract that Malik Beasley is on. And, you know, maybe some people love Pat Bev. Fine, whatever. But my point. Not me. We hate him in Oklahoma. There you go. Perfect. So I to me, I understand why that fucks things up. But Kevin Durant is still 34. The Suns still can send a boatload of picks and they can send much better players than Minnesota sent for Gobert. So I do think that's everyone's talking about picks. Well, the picks are going to be bad either way, whether it's the Timberwolves or Suns, those teams are now going to be competing and, and these picks are going to be in the back end of the 20. So it doesn't fucking matter 
like how many picks you get. You, you're still long shotting that anyway, but you're getting much better players from the Suns. And that's the difference for me. Right. Um, and then another random thing we said earlier that it just popped in my head again. Sorry. You know, we smoke around here is, Amen. Uh, you know, Kobe really put an emphasis on rings, you know, and I think part of that was to make up for his inefficiency, right? Like he, was so inefficient. He's like, well, fu- shut the fuck up. It worked. Look at all these rings I got. And I think Draymond is the modern day version of that because you can never say anything of like, hey, you're a douchebag and you play and like there's things that like, you know, are annoying about him. And he's like, yeah, but fuck you. I win. And you're like, yeah, I get Yeah, you're right. You're right, I guess. But it's uh, I think he'll be the one that like keeps that ring tradition going forever. Well, and, you know, I said on one of my I think after the Warriors one, I said that like Draymond is one of the most fascinating players of all time in terms of the context of player fit right. and roster construction, because Draymond is not someone that would be successful in many, many systems, but in the warrior systems, he's a fucking supercharger. And it's just really interesting how in some places he would be, he wouldn't even be in the league if he had been drafted in certain places, right. but because of the Warriors player development and just the intelligence of their entire organization. He's become one of the best defensive players of all time. You know, people mention him with Rodman and all these things. So um, it's very interesting. I agree with you. I I, I mean, uh, comparing him to Kobe is, I would love to hear you say that to Kobe fans. Like, right, really? Sure. I like really, <laughs> I would just love to hear their response. But, but do you not think in his interviews, he tries to like channel that these days? Like, I don't know. Like, oh, hell. Oh, like hell, my yeah. mentality is like, the best. So fuck you. I don't know. And I kind of absolutely. He has that. Vibe. Absolutely. Dr- I mean, Draymond is one of those dudes that you fucking love to hate and you hate to love. Like Draymond just like Dude, if I was a Warriors fan, I would love him, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it, he, you, you're like you'd worship the dude. But, but he fucking kicked yeah. Stephen Adams in the balls. So I hate him. <laughs> And that's that's the thing with Draymond. It's like he's like he always says cool shit, but then he kicks a motherfucker in the dick and you're just like, are you for real, dude? And yeah. so he he's an enigma. He's but also he doesn't give a shit like Draymond truly doesn't fucking care like what you and I think or what anyone else thinks. And I do appreciate people who don't bend their life concerned what everyone else thinks of them. Draymond just does what the fuck he wants to do he has his own podcast where he's talking about the celtics during the nba finals and some people are like uproariously pissed off about that i just i think he's fun even if he makes me angry every single time he plays the suns because he's constantly bitching at the fucking refs right well i I always say you know i have a lot of friends who don't watch basketball and their complaint is always about the complaining and what's that and carrying the ball now the carrying the ball i guess it just doesn't affect me that way but like sure if you're looking for it like every other dribble, they're carrying the ball. I get how that would be annoying if you like are thinking about your junior high rules or whatever. But uh, <laughs> I do think like the way they complain is like as a viewer, it's like, shut the fuck. I don't know. It is really fucking annoying. Like that is like the only thing I dislike about LeBron. Cause I think he's a great role model and all that, but it's like this constant bickering. And now Luca does it all the time. So I can't be a Luca fan. And like, Chris Paul, I mean, when he was on the Thunder, uh, you know, I guess I probably like forgave it a little more. But when you really are like unbiased about it, you're like, dude, just fucking play. I don't know. There is some I don't know why, but it does get under my skin as well as uh, a lot of other fans. Chris Paul is at the top of the list of dudes that you love on your team and you hate on any other team. <laughs> yeah, appreciate sure. it. He, he absolutely tops that list because of the constant rip throughs. And, and yeah, and I love the rip throughs. I'll defend the rip throughs yeah. forever. Better. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just like, hey, don't fucking put your arm across them if you don't want to get called for it. Like, how difficult is this? Like, I don't I don't understand why dudes don't get it, but whatever. I, You know, 
I, the funny, actually, the one really funny thing you mentioned, my mother-in-law, every single time we watch basketball with her, she's like, they're traveling, they're traveling. They never call traveling anymore. <laughs> and so she, exactly, I, I, the guys are 6'10". Half the fucking guys on the court are 6'10 now. Like, it's kind of difficult to keep the ball an inch from the floor. Like, I, I don't know what anyone wants them to do. Like, I, I don't I don't give a shit about that stuff. Like, when you take three steps egregiously, I'm mad. But I just, yeah, the palming the well, ball, I don't care. I, I like, do think, I, whatever. I do think it's like, you should... It just needs to be known, I guess, right? Because when people are like, Gary, and Gary Payton was my favorite player growing up. And then Charles Barkley was my second favorite player. But, um... I, the glove was great, but also like he played with such different roles that he was allowed to go for steals that guys today just couldn't do. And so I like, it's hard to keep that in mind. Right. So like you just got to remember, like, it's really hard for guys to play defense. Cause like the offensive players can do so much, you know, in NBA today. Right. And I mean, part of the problem is like, like people, like you, you mentioned Giannis, like he's, he's the a one problem for people being mad about traveling, but right. it's also like the motherfucker also can step like eight feet longer than the rest of us. Like a lot of the times he's not traveling. A lot of the times he is just doing things that the rest of us are physically incapable of doing. And I do think that sometimes people like, you don't want to acknowledge that. Like, and that's the thing with LeBron, like throughout his career, like you just, you'd get so frustrated because you're just like, why can't we stop this motherfucker? And it's just like, because he was so much more physically superior to everyone around him, you could not stop him going to the rim. Like prime LeBron is getting to the rack and you're not going to stop him. And sometimes I do think there's a little bit of sour grape in that sense. But I mean, I also think Giannis probably does travel more than any player in the NBA. So what are you going to do? Like, I don't know. It's, it's, but it's on call. Like I, it's on the refs, you know, I don't think people will be mad at the player. Like, I don't know if they're just not looking for it because honestly, I think it makes sense that they miss a travel. It's like, Oh, that was four steps instead of three or something. Like, I don't know. That'd be, are they counting every fucking step? I don't really know what their goal is, you know, as refs. I don't know what they're told, but yeah, it's a crazy world. And what do we want them to do? Like, honestly, do we want them to stop the game more? Like, like it's the game has already gotten so obnoxious with how many fouls they call and reviews and everything. Like it's, it's not better. And this is why I've advocated for the Elam. A bunch of times, you you know what the Elam ending yeah, is. The I, I think the, the Elam ending is great. I think that, yeah, would be, and I think we actually talked last time. And I I've advocated for the ending a bunch of times because it makes the most because it makes them play defense. It it stops the you know artificial fouling bullshit. And it's something I wish the NBA would adopt. They never will. But, you know, what the right. hell? yeah, they're going to keep it probably for the all star game for Kobe or whatever. And that's that's exactly. what everyone will know, know it from. But it makes way more sense because the end of a basketball game, that's another thing. My wife, she hates sports um, for the most part. But uh, basically, she just hates how much money they make and just doesn't understand it. And I'm like, it's a TV show. They're like actors getting paid money. You know, people want to watch it on TV. And uh, I feel like a fool fucking defending all these millionaires. I mean, be pissed at them. I don't care. But. At the end of a basketball game, she's like, oh, three minutes left. What is that? Another hour? You know, like that's always her fucking thing because it's so long at the end of the game. Right. And she's not wrong. And it's like that is the problem with the TV viewing experience of basketball. Like the end of the game is so fucking stupid that the Elam ending just solves that. So, yeah. Yeah. I I don't understand why they won't even consider it. Like use it in some preseason games, you know, or or this midseason tournament that they've talked about doing. Use it there. Like, just try it. Do it it in the G League. Tell it, you know, put the G League on YouTube more. And then people will be like, no, this is actually a pretty good ending here, you know. Uh, That's a fantastic idea. For people that don't know, the Elam ending is uh, at some point in time when someone hits like a certain points or like, all right, next, whoever gets to that number plus 15 or whatever it is, 
that they win. And then so the team that yep. comes back, they could hold those of the other team and then, you know, tie them and then score the extra 15 or whatever. But it's always going to end on a made shot. There will never be a dribble out the ball. Let's just foul a bunch of people like that just would be stupid, you know, in that scenario. So it, it just makes so much sense. Yeah, because if you foul them, they can hit free throws and they can hit the target score. So you are forced to actually play defense instead of just, you know, shoot a three foul, shoot a three foul, like all the, you know, playing the free throw game that is completely eliminated. That's why I love it. So, right. It's, it is very good. Um, all right. Another thing I was going to bring up was the Thunder. So we got the second pick, the Thunder this year. Um, you know, I've enjoyed the Thunder season. I can't watch a whole lot of stuff because of the way we got this goddamn Bali Sports Network and whatever. I hope they fix it someday, but they never will. Uh, but I was excited about it. You know, I've enjoyed the rebuild. I thought Giddy was a great this last year. I think he's one of the most overlooked uh, rookies. He won Rookie of the Month every month he played. But, you know, no one even talked about him for Rookie of the Year. So I'm just saying. And uh I don't know. I kind of I, I didn't think I would like Giddy. I ended up liking him a lot. They get his best friend, who's Chet Holmgren. Now I was kind of a little iffy beforehand. Now, I've been watching videos of Chet for like four or five years. It feels like, um, but I just am like, well, who builds around a center, right? Like, who cares right. about that? But then you know, you, I, I really enjoy his attitude. Um, I like the swag he is bringing, and uh, so far, I mean, his debut was great. Second game. Everyone was hating on him for getting pushed around by this huge dude that's like short but wide. But no one talks about the fact that, that dude got four fouls on trying to guard him on the perimeter on the other end, you know. So, like, there are benefits to some of this. So I'm, I'm just really interested in what all happens. Yeah. Thunder made the right choice for them because I don't think that, you know, Jabari would have fit into what they're trying to do. And I think that I also think that. You know, Palo Caro would have been not good for them had Chet gone number one. I really feel like this worked out perfectly for the Thunder because and it's, he, it's weird. He it's acted weird like he wanted bigs. to go there even before he got drafted. And that's kind of rare also for true. Thunder, you know. That, that's true. When, you, when you've when you got a guy who wants to be in Oklahoma City right now, that is that is something that really matters. And it is definitely interesting that given the way things have gone that we had, you know, basically three bigs taken at the top. But, you know, this is what everyone's like. You know, for years, everyone was like, oh, the game's positioned this now. No more centers. Just get your own Draymond. You can't just go get a Draymond. Right. You know what I'm saying? And now it's like, well, the the Wolves have Rudy Gobert and, you know, and Carl Towns. So you just got to play two towers. It's like you can't just get those dudes. Like everyone, the game is cyclical. Things ebb and flow. And right now we really do. We've got a lot of talented young bigs. It's going to be interesting to see how they all affect the league. But I really like Chet Holmgren in Oklahoma City because I think I mean, he's going to be more than just a big and the way that Oklahoma City is where you've got Giddy as your point guard, despite, you know, sort of being listed as a wing or whatever. Um, and, you know, Shea is sort of the offensive initiator, despite, you know, he's more of a two guard. Like, it's just. Oklahoma City can do a lot and initiate a lot of different actions from a lot of different places. This team should be able to score like a motherfucker next year. Right. Defensively, I don't know. You're you're playing a lot of kids, so it's probably still going to take time on that end. But this team should be able to score. And obviously, Chet Holmgren should help the defense with his length and size. Now, again, like you said, he may get pushed around a little bit in his rookie year. So what? You know, that shit happens. But I think that I just think that this team is going to be so diverse that I actually think this is, you know, a team that's going to win in the 30 games next year. And I, I like, I like Darius Baisley. I, I, I like yeah, the Thunder. I like what they've well. done. Yeah. I like what they've done. I really do. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be like too much of a homer, but like they're going to win a whole bunch of games. But it really wouldn't surprise me if they were like a big surprise. And I think that would surprise a lot of people if they like won a whole bunch of games because they are so young. But I think SGA sitting out the second half of the last two seasons kind of lowered their wins by a lot. And so, like, it's hard to factor in, especially two years ago, whenever they first uh, lost Chris Paul and he went to the Suns. They were right, winning right. a lot of games at the beginning of that season, like last yes. second shots. And they were like, we got to fucking bench people because they just kept winning, you know. And so I do think there there's a seed of hope there right, for like a fan to be like, oh, it could be a pretty fun year. But also, no, you're too young to like really win. And then everyone acts like they're going to try to tank again for this French guy that people love. I'll never love a Frenchman. You know, you're going to really change my mind on a Frenchman. So, uh We'll see. I haven't seen any video, but everyone acts like this dude is the next LeBron James. So maybe everyone is going to tank again and the Thunder will be right there with them. But I would enjoy, uh, you know, so a team competing because I just find that fun. You know, I think that'd be cool. Yeah, I, I will say about uh, about Victor Wembenyama, that dude is is going to be a monster if he can stay healthy. I, I just the history of dudes who are seven, three staying healthy is very small. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to put a hex on the kid. I hate to, I hate to like talk about that, but like, I'm just reminded of Chris Stapp's Porzingis. Now, when you watch the kid play, he doesn't look like a bay, a big, he fucking looks like a seven, three point guard. It's ridiculous. So there is something to be said for maybe his body construction is just, it's just right. And he's going to be just fine. And maybe that's the case. I hope so. Right. Um, but I will say that if that dude stays healthy, he's going to be the motherfucking truth. Now, I don't think the Thunder can afford to tank again. And it's not because the fans or whatever, but I think you've got a team now. You've got, you know, you've got SGA, you've got Dort, dude, you've I've got Giddy, you've got Beasley, you've got Holmgren. You've got on a that team now. Dort contract. And no, I, no, I no, didn't no. mind at all. Contract. I was like, no, that's a great contract. They like, they're not paying anyone else right now. So let's get him his money, you know, keep him happy. And, uh, I love Dort. I don't think what people remember of the bubble, um, whenever the thunder were playing the rockets. And again, maybe people are like, well, Harden's falling off, but no one was locking up Harden that season. And Lou Dort came in and was like, no, no, I got this. And maybe you're, I'm putting too much faith in that, but that was great. And I just love the idea of having this defensive stopper. Uh, and he's honestly decent at offense these days. Everyone acts like he can't fucking uh, score, but I mean, he's decent. So I'm a big Lou, Lou Dort fan myself. Anytime that you can get an elite defender who can shoot in the 40% range from three on a contract that is like sub $20 million, you have done a great job. And that is a fantastic contract. NBA fans do not understand trade value or contract value. They straight up don't get it. Right. They look at the dollar amount and they don't understand anything. And so I, I agree with you. I saw some of the reaction to that. You know, I will say out here, a lot of people were happy about it because Lou Dort went to ASU. And right. so everyone was like, you know, get the bag, Lou, and all that. Um, but I think you're paying like whatever it is, 15, 16, 17 million to a starting two guard who is an elite defender and can bag triples. Like that's fantastic because he doesn't need the ball to be successful. And you've got several other guys who do need the ball to be successful. So he fits perfectly into what the Thunder are doing. And like you said, you're not paying anyone right now. You've got to spend the money. Right. That contract is fantastic. Well, I there's also um, there was an assistant coach who had a quote last year, and I'm sure not many people to hear this because, you know, it's no Oklahoma City assistant coach. But he said, if you want to build culture on a team, you pay a guy like Lou Dort. And so I think that's the purpose. Like, I think he's a hard worker, defensive first mind. So, the you know, they're like there you you Donis Haslam, except he's young and actually plays. You know, like I think that is part of it. I think it's a locker room deal as well. 
Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the Thunder this year, I think it's going to be, I think they're going to try to win games. Now, granted, you know the team better than me, but just what I know about basketball teams, they have a full five now. And when you've got your five, you usually don't keep taking. Now, in a world where, let's say the first, you know, 20 games came out and Chet Holmgren looked like an absolute fucking bust. And, you know, he can't hit a shot to save his life. And, you know, he looks like seven foot Adam Morrison or whatever. Then I could see a scenario where, you know, we've seen the Thunder pull the plug. Perhaps that could happen. But yeah. I don't think that's going to occur. And so, you, I mean, yes, you could be taking for another dude. But like right now, technically, you've got your five. I don't even know where you would put him again, unless you're just replacing Chet Holmgren. So, right. Well, I think of everything I, and I know you play 2K. So to me, if I started with the two, the OKC franchise, I wouldn't tank the first year or trade them. You know, I'd be like, ah, oh, that's my young team. Let's go. You know, there's nothing exactly. you need. And you've got like you've got Teo Maladon, you've got you've got six men, you've got guys coming off the bench too. Like this, they, they've done a good job. So I'm with you. Like I think now's the time for the Thunder. And actually, I'll tell you, last year I had a parlay ticket that I won that was Suns over 50 and a half wins, Utah under 53 and a half wins. Uh, and then it was one other team. And the fourth one was Thunder over 23 and a half. So I already thought last year the Thunder were going to do some stuff. They won like what, 25 games or whatever. I, I won the ticket. But um, I do think I definitely think the Thunder are going into the 30 win region this year. And like you said, like if they hit like 40 wins, you know, it's still below 500. But if that happened, I wouldn't be shocked because you know how it goes. Like when a young team is suddenly trying and other teams don't take them seriously. Exactly. And, and you're like, suddenly they're like, Oh shit, what's going on? And it's like, it's a Wednesday in Orlando and they haven't been thinking about you. You know what I mean? Like those games start to become more winnable. And so I, I do foresee the thunder potentially making a real leap this year. They're a team, the the, the thunder, the magic and Timberwolves are teams. I really want to watch this year because I really do think that it's going to be fun. I think thunder basketball will be fun this year. And I, I don't see how you could tank with this team because, like I said, like you, you got your five. Like, why right. would this is your young team? Why I mean, would you, you might lose, but you shouldn't be tanking. You know, like you might go out there and play and lose games, right? But that's fine. Yeah, yeah. but no more sitting SGA for half the season for no reason. You know, no sitting giddy with the like, oh my arm hurts. You yeah. know, none, none of that nonsense. And by the way, SGA looks great in these FIBA Canadian games. You know, I get a lot of those posts because I'm a Thunder fan, so they like come up a lot. And it's like, yeah, he's really good, but also he's not really playing against very good people. Uh, you know, but. It, looks, well, it makes you feel good when you see it. But it's it's a contradiction because when SGA was with the Clippers, everybody was like, oh, my God, dude, SGA is the next one. He's the fucking man. He's going to be amazing. Right. And then when he went to the Thunder and started putting up better, more efficient stats, people are like, oh, he's garbage. He's playing on a garbage team. It's like, what? Right. Like, like, well, it's kind of like player. Devin Booker whenever the Thunder it's, were I losing. was literally, yeah. dude, bro, I was literally about to say it's just like Devin Booker. You and me fucking hive mind on that one because <laughs> every Devin Booker was always good, but no one was paying attention. And it's the same thing with SGA. Like the last two years, people are like, oh, he's got, I'm like, are you fucking watching the dude play? Like when he plays, Oklahoma City is a good basketball team because right. he is so deadly going to the rim and nobody well, talks and he about plays that at a anymore. different speed. And that's like so valuable in the NBA. I mean, there's been other players like that as well, but like he's just going to like a different beat than everyone else, you know, and it really catches people off guard. It's like it's really fun to watch, you know, as a fan. I I know that he's not quite the same level of athlete, but in the way that he plays, 
it just it, the attack mode. He kind of reminds me of Jaw a little bit, like just that they he's like he's always like, downhill, I'm, right? Right. I'm gonna live at the rim, and Jaw a little bit more like I'm gonna go over motherfuckers. SGA is like I'm gonna go by motherfuckers. Yeah. Like, but the he point uses is long arms does a lot of weird shots. You're yeah. like, what the fuck? Yeah. And some of that stuff reminds me of Goran Dragic because you know Dragic had those long arms and used to be able to go over Roy Hibbert and shit. So I I I like this scene, and I think they're gonna be fun to watch this year. Um, all right, my other basketball thing I have down, and anything else, of course, but Westbrook, you know, I, um, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things like whenever Westbrook was here, I enjoyed him and, uh, I, you know, I didn't hate the team, but then you started seeing some of the flaws. So like kind of the way y'all season ended this year at the Suns, there were lots of seasons that ended like that, but for like Westbrook specifically, where it was like, it all came down to him, like front rimming a shot and you're like, God damn it. But he like, you know, is like, he has this great attitude. So you want to cheer for him as a fan, you know, but like, there was just always this disappointment at the end. And I feel like it's gone too far. I feel like. He's underrated, you know, because everyone hates him so much. But also, I didn't watch all the Lakers seasons and people be like, no, actually, he was the fucking worst ever. But I just it's hard for me to imagine seeing him play in the Oklahoma City Thunder, like his MVP season, for instance, and then be like, and he's that bad. Like, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard for me, but I don't even know what I want to happen for him. You know, I don't even know what team I would want him on. So it's it's an odd scenario. Well, first of all, I will say that everyone forgets how well he was playing. He was healthy with the Rockets. Now, very true. He and wasn't the healthy. Wizards. He, he, took him to he the wasn't playoffs, healthy for much of that Rockets season. Yeah. Yeah. And he wasn't healthy for much of that Rockets season. When he was healthy, some people thought the Rockets had a chance to upset that Lakers team that ended up, that was, you know, that ended up being the bubble Lakers. Now, um, he ended up being hurt. He wasn't himself. They lost that series. But you know, he was very good and he was good with the Wizards, too. He really he was still throwing up triple doubles. He was fucking atrocious with the Lakers, though. He would like but that wasn't all necessarily his fault because that was the most laughably bad fucking idea in the world. Yes. So I'll tell you I'll tell you one thing about that. <clears throat> so I have a friend who's plugged in with the Lakers and I can tell you for sure that the plan, the thought process behind the Russell Westbrook thing was LeBron James is fucking exhausted and he wants to coast through the regular season. So Russell Westbrook is going to run the offense. LeBron James is going to stand in the corner and shoot jumpers. And when the playoffs come around, they'll figure out a way to make it work with LeBron, LeBron reverting to his you know powerful self. But that just didn't happen at all because the Lakers weren't constructed in a way for that to make sense. Unless you literally just wanted to have Anthony Davis and LeBron James stand around so the Westbrook AD thing didn't work because AD also had like as bad as Westbrook was. Anthony Davis was also that bad. He shot right. 17%. And from that's, three. I was going to say that part is I think Westbrook has taken all because he's done this on the thunder too. He takes all the bullets for his teammates that are also true. shit, you know, also like, true. There's just something about was, him that everyone's like, no, fuck him. <laughs> he, but he was atrocious. And so there is like, the, I, he and Anthony Davis sunk their season. It, it is it is absolutely fair to say that Anthony Davis shares in that blame. LeBron James did as much as he could, and even LeBron couldn't stop that team from falling apart. But the construction, the idea was a failure. When when that came together, I I I dogged that whole thing from the beginning because it was the most ludicrous concept of all time. And just the idea that number one, you wouldn't want LeBron James to have the ball, and number two. That come the playoffs, you could figure out how to play in a completely different way. 
it was it was the most flawed concept of all time. Frank Vogel got fired for I, I almost feel like that was set up to fail just so they could fire Vogel. I don't know. Right. It just it was such a disaster and it was never going to work. And now there's basically no way out of it unless the Nets acquiesce and just give them Kyrie Irving, essentially, in a, you know, Russell Westbrook for Kyrie Irving swap, in which case Why I would think they? Westbrook would play for the. Well, yeah, I mean. <laughs> For a first round pick, the Lakers have a 2029 first they could give. Them. I mean, somebody like the Thunder do that makes sense. I just don't know if the Nets. I mean, maybe they are trying to recoup some future draft capital. You know, it depends what how their whole shit's going. But uh, I'm just always well. Like, if you're gonna if you're gonna trade KD and get a boatload of picks from the Suns and some young players, right? Then you, you go might ahead as and well trade Kyrie, right? You might as well trade Kyrie, and then you just you know you just buy out Westbrook. You don't play him. Like you just buy him yeah, out. And like, honestly, just, just the, the Thunder. Money got him on the buyout market because no one else wanted him, I wouldn't even be mad about it. I'd be like, yeah, come jack up fucking threes, bro. Even though you can't shoot them, just keep on trying. I think I think that would be something that could potentially happen. The other thing that could happen would be him joining, you know, a team like Miami on a minimum where it's like, this is your last chance and, you know, our program is so tough, we're going to build you back I mean, up. I think blah, he would blah. fit well with the Miami culture. I mean, I think it already is a fit just with his I attitude. mean, he's a he's a super hard worker and he they might be able to find a way to make it work. That would be something I could see. Um, but it's just, you know, it just essentially the Nets have to punt and just say, OK, we're going to give up Kyrie Irving. Now, I can't to be believe fair, they this happened to them again. I mean, I guess I can, but it's so funny. You know, that well, they got the whole super team, traded all the picks, delayed into like, you know, Tatum or whatever. And then uh, they did all this stuff and it falls apart within a couple of years. It's just funny. I mean, they, they should have known, though. Look at what happened when Kyrie left Cleveland. Look at what happened when Kyrie left Boston. And then you fire Kenny Atkinson before you even give him a chance to coach the team after he built the culture. Like everything the Nets did was to tear down everything they had built. And I know that everyone understands that. And it's like, oh, whatever, super team, whatever. But like Kyrie Irving, I just don't understand how you don't look at the way he exited the previous two teams and not be wary of that. Right. And so, you know, no one wants him now. Like they, there's basically no yeah, trade interest just him outside Le- of the Lakers. I, not even Lakers. LeBron wants LeBron him. Wants him. Yeah, exactly. Clutch, yeah. Clutch and LeBron want him. The Lakers don't. But LeBron gets what LeBron wants. And, I mean, that's probably the best thing for Kyrie, truthfully, is to be back with LeBron. Right. But, you know, I... Well, once LeBron gets his Vegas team, Kyrie could yeah. be playing his, you know, last couple of years yeah. there. Well, yeah. And, you know, I just think Kyrie wants to play once a week. So he should just go to the Euro League. Like, you know, he wants to play one game a week. Go play one game a week. Or with the big also, three. The big three, I think, is weekly. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the one thing I, I don't like, too, is I, like I love Kyrie Irving's social justice stances, but I don't like that I can't criticize how he treats basketball without being seen as criticizing his social justice stances. Because right. like Kyrie Irving is not perfect. He also said the earth was flat. So not every single thing he says well, is gospel. It's also Sometimes very similar. Weird. And I don't think it's just Kyrie because this happens just on the internet. Like someone will be like, they'll hate say something hateful about LeBron. And they're like, oh, want to hate on a strong black man. That's a good role model to the community. You're like, dude, we're not talking about that. We're talking about, that, you know what? That's my move or whatever. <laughs> that's the thing I hate most about the Westbrook stuff is because I have always said for years, my issue with Westbrook is that he's an inefficient player. And then someone always comes up and is like, you're going to hate on this man who wrote this letter to his daughter. And I was like, when did I say anything about him as a father? Like, I just said he needs to shoot jumpers more efficiently. Like, how is that? 
Like it's, I'm never critical of them as a person. Like I, I think people like, like you need to be able to criticize their game. Otherwise, what are we doing? Like this whole, like, did you play in the NBA? Then you can't talk about me. Like, give me a fucking break. You get paid millions of dollars. I can talk about you. Give me a break. I've talked about that a few times on here uh, with my homie CJ when he comes on, like, yes, I could not make that dunk or whatever, but I have watched other people in the NBA make that dunk. So I'm not saying I can't, I'm comparing you to your peers, you know, or like, or an expectation I have based on other NBA players I have seen. Same with football. Someone like, I mean, I get the joke, fat dude on the couch being like, huh, I can't believe he didn't catch that. I get that's funny, but it's because that fat guy on the couch has watched football his whole life. And he's like, normally a guy catches that, you know, like that's not that crazy of a concept. Like if you're going to get paid to play a, what is essentially a children's game and you're going to get paid like CEO money to do it, then there's going to be criticism that you might not like and you might have to deal with that. And I don't understand how we've gotten to a point where you can't say anything about athletes games. Right. Like we have reached a point with some people where they're just like, I don't want to criticize dudes. I just want to talk about how amazing everything is. And like, that's great. But what are we like? What is analysis if I can't even sit here and say to you, like, hey, this guy needs to do more of this. Otherwise, he's not going to be successful. And they're like, you know, won't even look at some dudes. That's why I love like some guys like like I'm not a Baker Mayfield fan or whatever, but like Colin Coward talk shit about him. So he went on Colin Coward's show and was like arguing the points that Colin Coward made. Like, I love that he like you know, just went and got in his face. It was like, no, this, this, this. And, and he right. like argued with them over it. And I love athletes who engage with it. Like some dude said to Devin Booker at one point, like it was not this last season. It might've been last season. Regardless, the guy was like, you're really playing better this year than you've ever played. And Booker's numbers were literally the same from the previous year. And Booker was like, so you just didn't watch me play last year then. <laughs> like right. he just he took the dude on. And I love when athletes, instead of just being like, I'm not, I'm not gonna talk to you, I'm not gonna deal with this, I'm just gonna walk away. I love when they take people on and have forceful personalities and kind of come back with it. Like Jimmy Butler. I love that kind of dude. Yeah. That you know, that kind of attitude. You gotta love Jimmy Butler. That's so. why I loved Russell Westbrook for so long. But this last year, he had he done two things that really got under my skin. The first one was when the Thunder were, I think I even told you this the last time you're on here, but the Thunder were playing the Lakers and Baisley goes up at like the last second, gets a dunk at like steals the ball, gets a dunk. And then Westbrook acts like he's gonna fight him at the end of this game, right? Uh, I think he even got kicked out of the game for it all. And there's like four seconds left, and Westbrook's like, I am for that stat padding or whatever. And you're like, bro, read the fucking room, okay? You're like the biggest stone stat patter in the whole NBA. Quit acting all fucking mad because the Thunder beat the Lakers when you came back to the Thunder. Like, it was just so annoying, right? It was like, you fought a douchebag. And then the same thing with his, like, they call me Westbrook in front of my kids. Like, they don't respect me and my family. You're like, it has nothing. to. It's because you can't hit a fucking basketball shot. Okay, it ain't ain't got shit to do about you and your family. Like, I get it's hurtful. Like when I do a rap song and people don't think it's cool and I think it's cool, that hurts my feelings, you know, but it isn't the listener's fault. It's not like it's my fault. It's my fault for making the shitty song and it's his fault for not making the baskets when he makes 30 million dollars a year. You know, I don't think it's that crazy. And like, I, I mean, trash talk is part of basketball and I'm not like about There are, yes, there are certain things that are too far. Like when fans are screaming racist shit at players, like get that, you know, get that shit the fuck out of here. Like 
I, I'm not about that at all. I hate that shit. Those people should be banned for life. I'm not talking. Yeah, about Yeah, but that. those KG like, stories or Larry Bird stories are so good. Exactly. Oh, my God. And like, for example, last year when they played the Kings in Sacramento, every time Westbrook missed a shot, the Kings game ops were playing cold as ice by <laughs> foreigner or whatever. And like the NBA, like like sent them a notice saying you can't do that. But like, come on, dude, that's funny. Like, yeah, like, re- like, like, really, man, like. I, like, OK, Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan would go score 40 if you did that to them. Yes. And that's that's the difference between some like I like the dude who gets angry at that and is like, all right, I'm going to go fuck you up. And I I think that some dudes don't have that. That's what again. That's why I like Devin Booker, because when people fuck with him in games, he generally goes off later in the game. And I love dudes who do that. And I feel like Westbrook, like, was just running away from everything last year. And it's like, what do you have to run away from? Like, you're an MVP. You've got all these triple doubles. Like, there's nothing. Just tell people to fuck off. Like, who cares? Like, I just, I just, I agree with you. I thought his reaction was weird and sort of childish, especially for a guy who got what he want by being traded to the Lakers. Like, you were given a gift and you failed at it. Like, why is that on us for pointing out what you did? Right. And I enjoyed the way he handled it at first when he was like, uh, I should, I'm not playing well or whatever. Like, you know, he just kind of brushed it off for like, yes, yes. The beginning yes. of the season. I was like, perfect, perfect. But whenever eventually it just got to him, you know, you could tell someone got underneath the skin or whatever. But uh, yeah, it just, it's hard to like the guy because when you're not doing well on the court and then you act like that off the court, it's like, well, what am I supposed to be a fan of? You know, <laughs> you're like not leaving me much to to like at the moment. So. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like we can be a fan of him as a good person all you want. Like, I love every single thing that LeBron does off the court. He runs a school. He gives to charity. He does. I love all of that. I think LeBron's an amazing person, but it annoys the shit out of me that he plays for the Lakers. Like, I don't know how to like, you know what I mean? Like, like, I thought that sucked. I thought it fucking sucked when he went to the Lakers. What am I supposed to fucking do? Like, I'm, I can't say that. Like, I, it's it, we have to be able to separate people from work like. LeBron is an amazing person who annoys the shit out of me. Like people call KD a snake because he's basically hopping from team to team. Well, fine with me. He can hop to my team, whatever. But it's like nobody is calling Kevin Durant a snake like as a person. I don't think anyone thinks Kevin Durant is a bad guy just because he changes teams. I just think people like to be like, oh, there's a snake in the grass. Get rid of this cat. You know what I mean? Like it's funny. And because he reacts to it. That's yeah, a, like that's a Katie's online talking shit to everyone. Like, yeah, I kind of love that about him too, though. <laughs> like, yeah, for sure. He, he, he's only responding to people who hate on him. Like, if you're nice to him, he will never respond to you. You like have to hate on him to get a reaction from Katie. Like, he's so fucking funny too. Like his, Scarlett you know, the, the one, bathwater tweet from like <laughs> ten years ago. <laughs> Look at you, emotional. Like, all oh, it's like I love, I love Katie. Like, he's a funny motherfucker. And I think that anyone, I think that KD handles it and gets it well because, you know, he had the whole burner phone thing and he doesn't like, you know, people make fun of him for that all the time. And he just, lets it, you know, roll off his back. He's like, whatever, man, I play basketball. And I just think that that attitude is just, I don't know. I love dudes like that who don't run away from everything. I just felt like Westbrook was running from everything. Like, Right. Well, I think also a big part of Westbrook's personality that or not Westbrook KD's that makes him different is he's a single guy. Like he's pretty old and single. And uh a lot of other NBA players are getting married, have families, you know. It's like he's like up just fucking around on social media. I just think his whole personality is different than the typical uh, NBA player. 
I think that's true. I do think that's true because, you know, I mean, even I have changed since having, I have a seven month old now, like even I have changed all the things that I do, the way that I behave, how, you know, where I'm at on a weeknight, like it does change. It changes your actions because you have to. And so I think you're right. That, yeah. KD is just kind of living his life. And, you know, that was the one thing about James Harden. He's faced so much criticism for like, you know, the strip clubs and this, that, and, the other. and it's like, dude, he is a 30 year old man who has like $200 million in the bank and he's single. What exactly is it that you expect him to be doing with his free time? Like he's supposed to be what? Like, He's just supposed to be at home on the couch, microwaving popcorn, watching Netflix. Like, like the man can do whatever the fuck he wants. Like, and especially when he continued to deliver. Now you can argue about the playoffs, blah, blah, blah. But you know, when you win MVP and you can live your life however you want. And like, I, People are so critical. These are humans. Yeah, dude, listen. They I, have their own lives. If I became rich tomorrow, if I became a millionaire tomorrow, I would instantly become a drug addict. Like, and I have no doubt in my mind. I'm not even trying to be like, like I just, it would be very hard. The temptations, all the stuff you could get, all the money, you know, like, that's why I didn't even hate on Miles Bridges first thing. But then whenever it came out that he's fucking hitting bitches, I'm like, well, now I hate you forever. But, you know, oh, I understood yeah, that. Yeah. I understood the lean in the blood. I'm like, dude, I mean, stop me, right? If you, if I had his fucking money. So uh, I understood it. But yeah, once all the other shit came out, I'm like, well, I hope he never plays again. And this isn't the NFL. So there yeah. is some hope that like, maybe he won't. But, you know, who knows? Who knows That's, how to go? You know, I, I actually talked about this on my episode last night. Oh, nice. I haven't posted yet. I've got to edit. But um, but yeah, dude, like the Miles Bridges, I there's no way he can play in the league again, right? There's no scenario. Like I, I hate to like, especially for a black man, I hate to sit here and just like condemn him before he's actually been convicted of a crime. But when your son fucking like goes on FaceTime and is like daddy hit mommy, like Dude, there's no, there's, I got nothing left for you. Like, there's no, and there are people online who, you know, the whole, well, Mike Vick went to federal prison for dog fighting. Yeah. We can't compare people and to, me, to animals. That was like, a cultural thing as, because I know people who were involved, you know, not involved, involved, but I knew people that raised pits for that. So, like, that was, that was a whole thing. And, yeah. you know, Mike Vick made amends. He helped stop it. He made, you know, he worked with the ASPCA. He, I understand all that. But again, Human versus animal. I love my dog. My dog is my best friend in the world. I love her more than anything, but I still am capable of understanding that violence towards a human is worse than dog fighting. And I just can't see any scenario because it's funny because Mike Vick went to federal prison. Miles Bridges will not be going to federal prison, but I just, how could you let him back in the league? Like I could never, ever, I couldn't, I just wouldn't be able to watch. I would be disgusted at that. Right. I right like there's just no scenario right it doesn't matter if he took if he was suspended three years and went to domestic violence classes and became an advocate like it just wouldn't matter I hate to be this guy but it is a privilege to play in the NBA right it's not it's well, not a right it is a privilege the thing is lost it. it's just not basketball skill you know for all these professional sports I mean yes their sports skill is number one but the extra shit does matter and I use always this example of Tim Tebow Tim Tebow won all these games back in the day, right? For the well, this miraculous playoff run. And I hated Tim Tebow because I'm just not religious, right? And I just found him really fucking annoying. And 
Uh, but I understood when teams wouldn't sign him because I'm like, no, no, because he brings a fan base that's going to cheer for him and you want him as a backup. So like, it made sense that people don't, even if he might've had the skill, there's something else to it. And that's something good, right? Like he brings like religion if you're into that, but some teams are like, it ain't worth it. Same thing with Kaepernick. I always view them two very the same of like, I think some teams are like, it's just not worth the extra shit. So I do think sometimes, and this extra shit in this case seems severe enough that a league could be like, listen, he may be good, but he fucking ruined it. You know, if this is true, again, we could all come out that it's not true. Maybe she faked it. I don't fucking know. But I, at the moment, it looks pretty true. And I'm not a judge. But if it came out to be true, I would say it seems like a ban would be in order. You know, I don't it seems like they've what banned banned people for drugs like in the 80s before, right. like they couldn't come back. So there is some precedence. Uh, I guess it probably had to be worked out in their uh, their next agree player agreement or whatever. But it just seems like the right thing to do. But I understand also. Yeah, someone's going to say, well, he could change. You know, there's people that like Chris Brown. Right. And I just read it this week. They were like he was 19 years old when he hit Rihanna and lock and change. I don't care because all of us that were 19 year olds, we did that didn't hit women. We're going to judge you people who. Who did because we're like you're a piece of trash you know and like, i don't know it's just that is the way it is and so i can never look at some people the same that i know committed those things well i just like i've been angry before i've been mad i've been pissed off and i've been mad at a woman and i've been mad at a woman i've been in a relationship with and it never ever crossed my mind to like choke them or hit them or whatever like i just the people well you're they were young but that doesn't matter like that's not the point like being young doesn't make it somehow not wrong. And yeah, I, you know, the most recent suspension in the NBA would be Tyreek Evans, which was for drugs and, uh, you know, like a multi, you know, year suspension. I think he was suspended like two years. Um, and I, I, I believe there is a d- domestic violence clause, but even if there was no clause, like teams just shouldn't sign him. Like, I just don't understand how, How do you look your fan base, especially with the WNBA being, you know, like an own subsidiary of the league or, you know, controlled by the league? How do you look all of the, you know, the women who are fans of the NBA and WNBA in the face and be like, we take your complaints seriously. But, you know, this dude just scored 20 points a game this year. So we got to, you know, like, how do you how do you do that? If he was in college and all this came out they probably wouldn't have drafted him, right? You know, like this would be enough to like get someone off the list, but because he's already in the NBA, might've got a max contract. That's where it changes it. Cause someone's going to be like, Oh, we could change him. We could, he'll be good with us. Um, you know, maybe if he did it in college, he would have flew under the radar. I don't know. You know, I could be wrong. No, Kendrick, no, you you, dude, you're exactly right. Kendrick Nunn was going to be a first round pick. Then he had like a domestic violence beef. He went undrafted. Miami signed him. And then everyone was like, wow, how did this guy go like undrafted? Well, it's because of that. And like, but you're right. Like, because it happened in college, he basically got, I mean, I don't know that he got a pass, but right. What happened to Joe Mixon here um, at OU um, when he played college football? Right. And he smoked this girl at a restaurant, like punched her in the face. And I remember seeing the video and I've never hit a girl out and I've always been against it. But this was a scenario where this girl was like all up in his face and being really annoying. And I don't he might have been drunk or something. And he just turned around and knocks her out. And that got him dropped like two spots in the NFL draft. You know, like it was nothing like it didn't yeah. affect because like the NFL just has a different animal or whatever. The but. NFL just doesn't care. I mean, like, well, that's like the Kareem Hunt thing. Like he like stopped on that woman. Yeah. But she like she was like following him and like screaming and calling him the N word and a bunch of stuff is what I read. And so like, you know, they were like, well, 
mitigating circumstances, but they like had him on camera, like stomping on a person. The NFL doesn't care. And it makes, I honestly, I'll tell you the truth, dude. I legitimately feel bad when I watch NFL games because I feel like I'm violating something because I, they just don't care about anyone, but I just, I've been watching Tom Brady since I was a kid. I can't stop. Like I just, I'm not going to stop now, especially now what is most likely his final season. Um, so, but after he does truly retire, I don't know how much I'll be able to care about the NFL. Cause that stuff does bother me, man. Like it's like, I'm raising a son and I want him to treat women. Like even like, I don't know that I've been some hero with women or something, but I think I'm a decent guy, right. but I want him to be better than I've ever been. And it's hard to hit my son and say, you need to treat women with respect. Now let's go watch 12 hours of football. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's, it's tough. Like I feel like an asshole. For sure. For sure. I mean, yeah, I agree. I feel like I'm a decent guy, but you know, in hindsight, it's like maybe, you know, it's too quiet, too silent on some shit you've seen, you know, but I was like, oh, I'm a you good know, guy, but you know, you might've seen other dudes not be good. I'm like, oh, I probably should have spoke up in that moment. But, um, in that general. is our burden as we grow older, right? right. Is, yeah. is we learn to become a man is not just doing right, but also speaking up against that which is wrong. And that's probably the most difficult part of becoming an adult, I would say, is being willing to stand up for what is right, even if it's, you know, uncomfortable or doesn't necessarily have anything to do with you. Right. I was talking to my my co-host on my Monday shows, my cousin Snappy, and his son reminds me of me for some reason, but he was saying how like his son's like in sixth grade or something. And this kid kept picking on him and he kept telling his son, he should turn around and punch him. And I was like, look, man, I never would have done that as a kid. Like I wasn't going to turn around and punch someone because I just wasn't going to break the rules like that. And I just violence was never the first response or thought for me. And that would have given me so much anxiety, the thought of fighting someone. And like, yeah, I got in a couple of fights here, or there, nothing ever huge. But in hindsight, I wish I would have been in so many fights. You know, like, I, like what's the worst going to happen? I've been punched in the face a couple. The two fights I got into, no one ever hit me. So I never really been punched in the face. And then uh, I just have like, that's like this weird regret I have. Like, and I know like you shouldn't lead to violence, but I'm like, man, I kind of wish I would have got that experience more. You know, I got, <laughs> yeah, I got, uh, I got bigger in junior high. You know, I grew, I got taller, I got physically larger, um, fatter, whatever. I, I definitely... You know, I reached a point where people stopped messing with me, but I definitely before that had, you know, like I had a bully on my street who I mean, he never like like he threw a can of soda at me one time. I mean, it wasn't like, yeah, yeah. You know, I had older kids was, pick on me for sure. Yeah, exactly. It was yeah. like a, it wasn't like he was chasing me down and beating the shit out of me and leaving me bloody. Like it wasn't that like he was just a fucking asshole. And I do wish I wish that I had just like when he when he hit me with that soda can. I wish I had gotten off my fucking bike, gone over there and clocked him right in the fucking skull. And that's not necessarily right. But sometimes you got to show motherfuckers what it is. Right. And I didn't learn that till later, but also it got a little easier as I got bigger and things like that. And so, but that's a tough line. Cause like, you don't want to be doing that all the time. Like you're not trying to walk around punching motherfuckers in the face. Like that's not what it is, but it's like, you also can't let people push you around and make you, feel less than like you've got to be able to stand up for yourself, but it's a hard line to walk because you can't just be assaulting people. So it's like, you got to find that line. And that right. dude, that is the stuff that scares me about being a dad is how to figure out how to explain that to my son is like, don't let anyone push you around, but don't just hit people. 
but you can hit people, but don't right. look for hitting people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's hard. Yeah, I, I imagine so. Like uh, I had, see, I just always had a lot of cool friends, I guess is really what helped me out. I had this one friend named George or Jorge, I guess is really his name. We, he didn't tell us until he was like eight, like 14. Like, hey, can y'all start calling me Jorge? And I'm like, oh, my bad, bro. Uh, but when not, we were like six or seven, we fought. Right, which is like we're real little kids. But then in like high school, he would tell everyone, Oh, don't fuck with Mo. I fought him back in the day, he beat my ass. And he was a good fighter. And so everyone just assumed through like the transitive property or whatever that like I must have been a good fighter. And then uh yeah, and then I had friends that were like, You're smart. If anyone wants to fight you, we're gonna fight them. You don't need to get in fights. And I was like, okay. And so I got a friend who was a black dude, loved fighting, very good at it. You know, uh, he won like the 110 state hurdles and shit. Very good athlete. And uh, yeah, like this dude stole CDs out of my car. He heard about it when asked him and that guy tried to make a, well, I'm going to fuck your sister joke. And he just beat the fuck out of him. Right. So like that was kind of like, maybe I should have fought that guy it was my CDs. But my friend was like, I'm going to beat this dude's ass. So I just was always in scenarios where my friends were like, I'll go fight somebody for you. And I, I kind of just always got out of it. I'll tell you. The funniest scenario that ever happened to me in terms of fighting, and this probably doesn't make me sound good, but whatever, I'll tell the story anyway. I, I had gone to Europe on a business trip. I came home and I was exhausted and I went to see a movie with friends and I shouldn't have probably cause I was exhausted. I fell asleep driving on the way home. Now I was not drunk. I was not drunk at all. I want to be very clear. I had zero drinks, but there was weed in my system because I smoke weed. Yeah, it's always and in Arizona, in Arizona, that counts as a DUI. At least it did in 2010. So I was booked with a DUI. I didn't. I was stopped at a stoplight, and I just sat through multiple lights. And a cop, you know, pulled me over. So I didn't hurt anyone. I didn't do anything. But regardless, you tell people you have a DUI, it sounds bad. I like yeah. to provide the context. Regardless, so I went to jail for, um, uh, you know, a day essentially. And when you go into jail, they, you know, take all of your clothes, even if you're only going in for one day, they take all your clothes and, you know, put you in like, you know, the county stuff. Well, I'm a bigger dude and I was very big at the time. This was before I lost some weight. So they didn't have like the regular stuff for me. So they put me in like the big ass, like county jumpsuit. You don't understand like how similar this is to a story I have. So this is so okay. fun. So th this is great. So I, <laughs> so I'm in the big ass county jumpsuit and I look like, I look like I'm being transferred. Right. And I'm in downtown Phoenix. So this looks like I'm like being transferred for like some serious crime. And this dude gets on the phone next to me and he calls his girlfriend. He's like, Hey babe. Yeah, no, nah, no worries. I'm just going to go to jail for three to five. Cause I had a gun. I robbed this bitch is armed robbery, whatever, you know, it's probably just gonna be three to five. No big deal. Just armed robbery. No problem. And he gets up and like, I'm like, Oh my God, dude, motherfuckers in the room talking about one dude's like, I served 28 years for murder, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like a pothead. Who's like, I fell asleep driving. And I'm like, I, I'm like working as a teacher at this point. So I'm like, Oh my God, what have I gotten myself into? But I'm like huge. I have a beard. And so I'm just sitting there staring forward. I'm like, just don't talk to anyone, whatever. And this guy comes up to me and he's like, the, the dude who was on the phone talking about the armed robbery comes up to me. He's like, so what happened to you? You get pinched? I was just like, yeah, man, but I'm getting up now. <laughs> like, I was just like, I just like tried to play it like I was some badass. I was like, now is my time to get freed. Like, I just tried to like, I wouldn't like answer him. And I just like gave him death stares because I was just like, yo, I do not belong here and eventually i got out but it was just like i just remember like being 
just like, oh my God, okay, well, I'm never fucking fall asleep driving again, I'll tell you that. But it was just so funny, like just being in a room for falling asleep driving with pot in my system. I'm in a room with murderers, robbers, and they're fucking looking at me like I'm some badass just because I'm in the biggest clothes because I didn't fit in the small ones. Like it was just ridiculous. It was, right. Yeah. This shit was funny. I got arrested uh, my second year of college. Well, my first year and second year, but my second year of college, I got both towns for pot and uh, they took me to the city jail first. And I had to say that at the city jail. And then the next morning they had to transfer me to the county jail. And it was the exact same thing. They had a large or they had a four X and I wear a two X and I have like my whole adult life. And so, uh, I was like, yeah, I guess the four X and it was just fucking ginormous. And then I get over to the county jail. And at this time they had built, they have a new jail here now, but this was before that. And it was like packed to the brim. There was no more spot for anyone to even be in there. And I go in there and then all the white guys surround me and they're like, Hey, you want to stick with us? We're in pod one or whatever. And then I, in my mind was like, most of my friends aren't white you know, at this time. So, uh, I was like, I don't know guys, y'all are, they're all fucking weird. They all like blankets around them. They just were all uh, an odd bunch. And then, uh, one of the guys that were like, fuck what a trustee, he brought me over a plate of goulash. This black dude was like, you want some goulash? And I was like, no, I mean, I should get bailed out in a few hours. Uh, and he was like, oh, well, if you just find me, if you want some goulash, like they're really nice to me in jail, to be honest. And then, uh, eventually this giant, uh, bodybuilder guy came and he was like, I'm your bell bondsman. You're uh, I was in a fraternity, so it was like your fraternity brothers had bailed you out. And uh, it was against the rules to smoke pot in my fraternity, but I had smoked weed with like everyone, like all but one person. And so once they couldn't really kick me out, you know, and then I kind of changed the whole culture of the frat to where we were totally cool with pot for the next few years. So, uh, but it was, it fucking sucked. It fucking sucked. That's why I took student loans. because I had all these court costs and shit. And uh, they took my license as well. And I got arrested in my apartment with weed. I wasn't in a car whatsoever. Oh God. And uh, I, they took, I had to do a DUI class, um, which was fucking horseshit. Cause I, I just don't drink and drive. That was just something I, I was pretty good about, you know? And I was like, this is really? horseshit. I have to do this class. And then I had to do a uh, counseling cause I was a drug charge. And my counselor had a weed tattoo as a tramp stamp and she didn't view weed as a real drug. So she didn't see why the fuck <laughs> I was there. And I was like, okay. And then I had to do 12 meetings of AA, which I don't, I'm not even a big alcohol person. And so I just sit there and listen to a bunch of old people, rather blame or praise God for things being good or bad in their life. And then me, you know, they're judgy as fuck. Like, can y'all please just sign my piece of paper, you know? And then I finally got my license back, but it was, that was like the worst year of my life going through all that. Cause I was walking everywhere and I know like people are like, shut the fuck up. But in Oklahoma, you have to have a car. It's all spread out. You know, it's like, I was so used to having one that it really rocked my world. Not having a car for a year. Dude, it's there's so yeah, it's so it's so difficult to deal with. And the the only positive memory I have of any of it was when I was in the release tank on the way out. I was in there with these two other dudes, and they were talking. And one of them's like, "Man, my hands are chapped." And the other dude's like, "Yeah, dude, like I used to deliver pizza in Iowa, and, and it would get so cold, and my hands would get chapped. So what I do is I put some lotion on my hands, and I put gloves on." And the other dude's like, "Yeah, lotion, that's a good idea." And I was like, "Yo." And the last fucking room, dudes were talking about how they were murdering and robbing motherfuckers. And you two are talking about putting lotion. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is a very different room right now. <laughs> like, it's it's real different when you're with the dudes who are getting released. But right. uh, 
Yeah, man, I uh, I don't think I'm ever going to go through that shit again, no matter what. I've been very careful from here on out. Yeah, I haven't been. Ar- Actually, I got arrested that time. And then as I was waiting for my court date, because my court date was, you know, a few months later after that. And uh, because they never charged me for my first arrest, they just forgot to schedule it. So when I got arrested a second time, uh, they were just going to give me probation. But in the last moment, the judge was like, wait a minute, this is your second arrest. Hold on. You have to come back in three months or whatever. And then. uh I got 10 days in jail. Eventually it was my sentence, but I got out of that too. Cause the jail was overcrowded and I played the, I'm just a poor white kid in college trying to go to jail and no one will let me in. Cause the place is overpacked. And the the judge told me if I didn't miss a probation payment, we were good. Cause all they care about is money. That's another big part of this whole story. Yep. I guess, yep. uh, you know, they just want to take your money and shit. So, uh, it was, it was rough, but I got arrested right before I was scheduled to go into jail. I got arrested for a public intox because a friend of mine was trying to drink and drive and I went out and stopped him and uh, the cops pulled up as I was arguing with him. And then because I was under 21, they took me to jail and I had to sit the drunk take all night and that never even showed up on my record. And that's how I know the cops just pocketed my hundred and fifty dollars that I had to pay. So they just put it in their pocket and let me out the door. Yeah, that's the, the uh, <laughs> on my last the on my last episode. So I'm adding I'm rapping at the end of every one of my episodes now because fuck it, I can. Nice. But I wrote a verse and the verse I uh, wrote is a true story about the time that me and my friends were out driving at 3 a.m. and we got pulled over by Czech police. They like set up a fake illegal turn and then we're like hustling people for money and we bought our way out of it. But they didn't realize that we had like a fucking like ounce of weed in the car. Right. <laughs> and, and I'm an American. They could have like deported me. I would have been fired like it was the whole thing. But my boy is high as fuck gets out of the car and talks his way out of it and pays off the cops. It was pretty goddamn amazing. That is awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Good old Chechi. Yeah. Right. And so that that's, but yeah, that's what, uh, that's what the verse on my last episode was. Not that any fucking listen. So give a shit. I do what I do because I want to do it. Yeah. Before we get out of here, by the way, what was the exact name of your podcast? I don't know if there's a blunt doctor show or the blunt doctor podcast. The Blunt Doctor Show, and it's on all of the major platforms, and you can also just find it at bluntdoctor.com. Dope. And then, yeah, what, how'd your rap life? You know, I'll be honest, I haven't heard any of your rapping, so I just don't know, like, what level. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful, because I know artists are fucking, uh, they get sensitive, I'm the same way. But, like, I do think there's levels, right? And, like, people are at certain levels of, you know, their rapping or where they're at. So, like, are you just, like, enjoying and having fun? Do you plan on doing more? Like, what is your goal for it? Or is it just, you know, something for the end of the podcast? When I was younger, I like used to really want to be a rapper. And I used to honestly, I think I used to be pretty goddamn good, but I haven't recorded in a long time. So when I am recording right now, it is pretty clear that my flow is a little bit rusty and my writing is a little bit rusty. On the other hand, I'm writing everything at like 2.30 in the morning and I'm doing it in one take. So I'm not exactly I'm not exactly like refining the shit and I'm just kind of doing it because I want to do it. So um, I, I mean, I would. I would still say I'm above average, but I don't know if that's necessarily being displayed at the moment because I'm rusty as fuck. Right. And that's also why I wanted to start doing it at the end of my podcast again, because it's helping me. I want to do a couple of albums. I really do. And so this is just helping me get like my writing back and get my flow back and get back in, you know, just kind of the the zone because. During the pandemic, actually, at the start of the pandemic, I was working with a producer and we were starting to get working on stuff. But then COVID happened and his mom um, had uh, like a form of cancer in the past. So he was just very concerned about anyone being around her, which obviously I completely understood. Um, And so it just, you know, we stopped really being able to work together because he really couldn't have people come to the house anymore. Um, So that kind of derailed it. 
And then I kind of built my own little home studio now. And I'm just, I don't know. Like I'm just doing my thing. Like I, again, I would like to do a couple of albums. I don't expect to like make money from it or go anywhere with it. Like I just enjoy doing it, but I did, I have recorded a couple of CDs. I have performed live a few times. Like I'm not like a complete nothing novice who has no clue what they're doing. And I do have a few lines that are pretty goddamn good, but I would say that what's being put out on my podcast right now is I'm just like, again, I'm just getting back in the the flow of things. So it's going to be a little time before I'm back to like peak form. Right. I mean, I had a a similar journey, I guess, in a way, like when I was in college is when I was really trying to rap and make these mix, you know, the dat piff days, the sound click, all that. And, uh, I, at the moment, thought I was good, you know, at that time. But in hindsight, listening to it, I'm like, oh, my mic sucked and, you know, whatever. But you have to go through that. You just aren't going to, like, one day make a great song. You have to work on it like anything else. So I really think of it these days of, like, it. it is my hobby. You know, a lot of people put a lot of negative words into hobby. But, like, some people paint for a hobby and then they go sell that painting at a garage sale or whatever. Where I uh, make music and put on streaming sites and I get my few dollars a month or whatever. You know, like, it is what it is. And I enjoy it. But I went. Uh, you know, in college I did it. And then I got a real job out of college. And for five years, I didn't make any music. And it was the worst time of my life. I mean, to be honest, when I think back on it, I was just so sad. And like, I didn't realize how important that was to me. And then when I came back, it did kind of suck. Like all my stuff at first wasn't the best. And I was still just downloading free beats from places and, you know, uh, writing my little rhymes and doing it to it. But I enjoyed it at the time. I had to do that. And then eventually I was like, I'm going to make beats. And then, you know, I wouldn't say until my album Portrait, I still felt like I was falling short, you know, on my mixes and everything because it's so hard uh, whenever you're kind of doing it all yourself. But once my album Portrait came out, something turned in my head where I'm like, hey, I think this is pretty good now. And I've felt confident since then. But then again, in two years, I may look back and be like, you should have been embarrassed by that. Why did you think it's good? Because in the moment, I always think I'm good. You know, if that yeah. makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude. Like when I when I'm writing this shit, I'm like, again, it's it's usually two thirty in the morning. I'm high. I'm a little tired. And I'm like writing it. I'm like, oh, my God, dude, I'm fucking back, baby. I'm right. like, yeah. Yeah. And then and then I wrap it and I'm like, dude, I just killed that. And then I listen to the mix and I'm like, oh, well. That was okay. <laughs> you right. know, like, yeah. and it's like, I'm like, oh, this sounds, oh, uh, uh. but like, also, like, I am a big believer in perfection is the enemy of progress. And I know myself. And I know that if I sit there and I'm like, no, I fucked up that line, I'm going to record it again. I'm going to record it again. I'm going to record it again. I'm just going to stop. And so it's not that I don't want to get to a point where I can do that. But like, right now, when I'm phasing myself in, if I'm like really critical about, what other people think or what I think or whatever, I'm just going to stop doing it. And I don't want to do that. So I've just kind of been like, you know what? Fuck it. Like I'm doing it. If it sounds halfway decent, I'm putting it out there because like, I I mean, I don't like, why not? Like there's no reason not to like, who cares? Like it it literally doesn't affect anything in the world. So why not do what I enjoy doing? Yeah. If someone likes it, cool. They can fucking turn it off. They don't. Right. Yeah. Exactly. They could just turn the shit off. It doesn't fucking matter. And I'm using, I am using beats from some random dude who agreed to let me use all of his beats. So I need to like update them and freshen them up and get some new ones. There's a lot of stuff I need to do. But for I mean, me, it's just I can like, make you a little beat pack. I'm sure if you're interested. I mean, if you don't like my beats, I mean, you don't have to, of course. But if you're interested, uh, no, I see. That's what I'm saying is like I need to, I need to kind of take these steps because it is something I want to do. But it's not something that I'm ever gonna like. Like I don't expect. I'm not like, yo, I'm gonna make it in this game. Like you know what I'm saying? Like I just do it now because I like making music, because I like writing, and because just honestly, like 
hip hop lyrics are the only thing that have ever that I've ever been able to write that have just like come to me. Like, you know, I, I don't know how you are, but like for me, like I have one line come to my head and then I just start building out a whole song around that. And it just will just be completely random. Like something will just come to me and then I'm like, Oh, here it is. And I basically have like a manic episode and write a whole song. Like I yeah. kind of struggle to write without manic episode inspiration. So it's hard for me to consistently create, but yeah, I have some I songs I that I write that way. Like my, my album coming out in August is called uh, good enough. And a lot of those I wrote, because I freestyled the hooks and I've really been trying to get more into freestyle because I used to be really good at it. And I just, I'm out of practice. I'm rusty at it, you know, but I'm really trying to just do it and just force myself to. So a lot of the hooks I freestyled and then I forced myself to write a verse to whatever I freestyled, right? So like the hooks might be fucking kind of gibberish or like really abstract. And then I'm like trying to write a verse to it. But a lot of those days I just popped an Adderall and really went to it. Like I had to force myself into manicness in order to like yeah. fucking force out all this stuff, you know? And so like, yeah. I definitely get that, but I go through different phases. Like sometimes I can write a song with no beat and I'll just go find the beat later. Sometimes uh, it's definitely beat dependent and like just art in general. Like I have an art minor, so I've done like some painting and drawing and stuff like that. But all of my art was from making beats to rapping to the drawing, all that is exactly the same. Like I could not make the same drawing a hundred times in a row to chase perfection. Kind of like you're saying, right? I don't have a vision of this is supposed to be this way. I have a, I could start and we'll see what happens at the end. You know, and I'm like that with all of it. I'm like that with I paint a picture or draw it or I make a beat. And so I would much rather make a hundred beats and just see what happens with those than try to make the same beat a hundred times chasing perfection for that one thing. You know, like I just I I can't operate that way. You know, like like you're saying, redoing a line, fuck that. If I flub it up or I had a hiccup, you know, something there, then you can hear it and you can think you're a genius for noticing I'm fucked up. But I don't know. I think the song's cool, you know, or something like that's kind of how my mentality is on it, I think. I think the other thing about it too is that like when you have that kind of ear for perfection for yourself like you're gonna hear mistakes like i'll often like be playing for friends or whatever and i'll be like oh you heard that i fucked up and they're like what no like they can't even hear right. what i'm talking and i'm sure sometimes they're being nice but like sometimes they're looking at me they're like i'm like trying to show them they're like i genuinely do not fucking because because they don't it's not not everything has to be right when we sit here and boy, it has to be exactly how I envision it. You just prevent yourself from moving. So I'm just like doing my thing. And I, you know, it's funny. I've already made my album cover for the first two CDs. So that's, I'm, I'm there. I'm one of those people who's like, Oh, I've come up with these, <laughs> with this idea, even though I've not come up with the music yet, it's fucking stupid. But again, whatever I have little, that's the worst part about being bipolar is that everyone thinks bipolar is like, like I'm like when I'm depressive, I'm evil or something. It's like, dude, I'm either sitting on a couch watching television or I'm in my office creating for hours in a row. That's what my bipolar is. And when I have a manic episode, like I just I do random shit like I, it's bizarre. I, I can't I can't explain it. I just have an episode and I write a song or I edit a video project together or I do this or that. You know, I just right. I, I try to harness it for my like you said, hobbies. Again, like you said, people view it in a bad way. I love hobbies. I call them projects typically, you know, right. I because I, I think people have a negative view toward hobbies. I agree with you. Um, well, I, I think I've used this line so many times. So I'm going to say it again because fuck it. But like flea markets are very popular in Oklahoma where they were when I was growing up in Oklahoma and Texas and stuff. And you go to a flea market and there's some guy like painting a fucking two by four around with like some crazy landscape. And you'd be like, well, who the fuck? But then eventually someone comes by and buys it. 
And like, that's just that guy's hobby, you know? And it's like, I just think modern day, we're going to have digital versions of that because we, everyone's always had hobbies where they're creating stuff, you know? And I think, I think some people don't need to be creative, you know, it doesn't interest them at all. But for us that do need to be creative, it, it makes a, a lot of difference, I think. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of like some of my favorite songs have been from, you know, various people that I've heard um you know independent artists throughout the years so it's not even necessarily always something that people won't enjoy it's just like i like i'm not going to spend my life like trying to get on stage and like i did that when i was younger like i said i performed a few times and it was fun but it also wasn't like the goal of my life like i like to create things i like to do my thing in my way you know what i mean so i'm a little particular about it and i also don't you don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with that. I think that some people do feel like, you know, there are issues with, you know, like you said, like, I'm going to do my thing my way. Like some people well, are like, oh, you need to do it this way so that you can make money from it or monetize it this way. And I hate how you can't have a hobby without monetizing it. Like, it's fine if you make money from it, but sometimes I don't want to care about that. I just want to do my own thing without having to worry about, did I get enough views to keep my, you know, podcast ad reads up or whatever. Right. Yeah. I. uh you know, and I think a lot of the negativity comes from like insecurities, of course, like anything else. But like, you know, I'm on I'm on Twitter with a lot of fucking artists and producers and stuff that follow me and I follow them. And I do think the people that talk the most shit of y'all ain't doing this for real like me, their music isn't any good. You know, like their numbers are all from them getting in group chats and getting people to stream stuff or, you know, there there's tricks to this to get some streams. That's where their stuff comes from. But you can listen to a song and be like, oh, this isn't good. You know, like, I don't know. And so I, sometimes I just I have to do that before I take someone's opinion that seriously. Uh, you know, so maybe I'm turning yeah. into the basketball player. It's like, how can you tell me if you can't dunk? But that is kind of part of it. Right. Like, wait, let me see if I even like your music before I listen to your opinion on what I should change about my music to make you happy. You know, so it's very odd. No, I I, I agree with that. And I, and I will say that, like. The one thing that keeps me going is every now and then I do write something that like I really like. Like I have one verse that I can think of off the top of my head that I really like. I really do think is good. Maybe other people don't agree or whatever, but like I'm like, okay, I hit something there. And so like when I when you have stuff like that, that like that even I feel good about that kind of keeps me going because I'm like, okay, I know I'm going to hit that again eventually. And eventually I'll have enough of that to put something together. Right. Yeah. I mean, right now I have all my stuff lined up for the year of what I'm putting out this year. And uh, so everything else I make right now, I'm just kind of putting on the back burner. I'm going to see what collects, see if there's any like if like some sound comes through, like this is a natural EP or these songs together, you know, or something. And so I have these two songs I've been working on. And I just uh, my wife was gone for the day. I just sat here and was like, I'm going to make a song right now on this beat just start from scratch and see what happens. So uh, I done it these two times and I honestly left the day feeling like those songs sucked because there was a lot of freestyles and a lot of like uh, just random shit, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot, but I was like, I don't know it was like, I had a good feeling, but then I listened to them recently. You know, it's been a couple of weeks. And I was like, you know what? I love that. I thought it was dope as fuck. So it, sometimes I just got to make shit and just set it in the folder and then come back to it, you know, because it is just all art. I don't know. It's just like anything else. Uh, I know it's hard for people that don't create stuff, but it is. It, sometimes you just really connect with your creations, you know, and you're like, yeah, I get what I was going for. The other thing is that when you sit there and you listen to a beat over and over and over and over and you're trying to perfect what you're writing and recording over and over and over, eventually you kind of lose it. It's like how like 
when a weird is word, a word is weird and you say it over and over and right. over until it's just like normal again, like eventually you kind of lose that connection. And so I agree with you. Like sometimes I like to like, I just want to like do it, write it, record it. And then yeah, fuck it. I'm not going to listen to this for three weeks and then go back. And then like, I hear something. I'm like, Oh, you know what? I actually hit something there. And so I agree with that. That's why I do what I do on the podcast. Cause I, dude, I don't, I don't even listen to my podcast either. I live edit them. If I say something I didn't mean to say, I cut it, delete it, resume. I cut the whole thing together and I don't go back and listen to it. Cause I just don't need to listen to myself. It's good enough or it's not. And yeah, I just, if mine was just me, the music. I would be, I would be the same way. I go back and listen to keep notes of what we talked about. And then I cut out the silence on each other's side, you know, in case one of us cough or some shit like that, but you're, sure, I don't have I to, do. you mute. So you're pretty cool there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I try to, I try to make it easy for you. Cause I know how difficult it is to edit other people out. It's, it can be tough. And I, I, cause I do the same thing when I, when I do have interviews, it's a lot more editing. Yeah. Whereas when I'm alone, it's a lot of just me. So. For sure. But all right, man, I think this was a great episode. I've enjoyed you being on twice. I, I, my podcast is ending at episode 400. I don't know what I'm doing in the future after that. Um, you know, I may be done. It's been like four years of my life. So, you know, at some point in time, my wife's is done uh, with all this shit. But I'm, I appreciate you being on here at the end because I thought you've been uh, a good NBA person to talk to. And outside of that, I just, uh, you know, think you're a, a good guest. I know that means a lot to someone that has a podcast because I've been on podcasts before and I'm like, listen, I'm fucking good on these other podcasts. God damn it. And uh, I need my goddamn respect, you know? Yeah. Well, hey, I appreciate you having me on twice and I hope you do continue to do something after episode 400 because you're you're good at this. You're good. At, uh, you're good at everything you do. Really? I'm going through your music lately. I haven't found I haven't been able to get through everything yet, but I'm right. starting to listen to it. I'm starting to dig some of it too. So I hope whatever you're doing, you keep it up. Cause I'm, I'm a fan. So we're just trying to get smoke uh, Oklahoma as the song for the Oklahoma city thunder this year. So oh, my, dude, that, that would be, that would be fucking awesome. I need um, to figure it out. I, that, that would definitely be cool, but for sure, man, anytime I'm glad to do it. Appreciate you. Peace.
Rhythm Bone Makes Beats.